Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Bold Beautiful Borderline podcast. My name is Lori, and as always, I'm here with the beautiful Sarah. And today we're going to be discussing slash debating whether or not people recover from borderline in that they no longer have the disorder, or if recovery in borderline means that you still have the disorder, but have learned skills to live with it and function in a healthy and like quote normal way. So Sarah, you have opinions on this. I do have opinions on this, but I just um, pulled up the dictionary.com Oxford language definition of recovery. The definition is it's a noun. A return to a normal state of health, mind, or strength. Um, The second definition, the action or process of regaining possession or control of something stolen or lost. So if we're going by that first definition, a return to a normal state of health, mind, or strength, which is kind of the way that I think the world thinks about recovery because we think about it through the lens of substance use so often, is a kind of sobriety or remission of symptoms. And so in that sense, I don't personally believe that it is possible to recover because if we're talking about a personality disorder, the literal main tenant of a personality disorder is a lifelong stubborn personality, (laughs) like AKA that shit doesn't change. Right. You but can, do you like, do you actually believe that borderline should be a personality disorder or should it be? I do, but mood? you and I disagree about this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I personally do, but I know that you don't, which is awesome. Well, I don't know. Like, I, it's funny because I normally have very strong opinions on things like this. But so for those who aren't like don't have degrees in psych and don't like read the DSM before you go to bed, um, which I don't recommend. <laughs> No, unless you want to have every diagnosis under the sun, literally. Um, so there's two axes in the DSM that uh, are categorized. Well, there's five, right? I think. Anyways, the first two axes. Yeah, one. I don't. We don't use axes anymore in the states. Oh, okay. Well, in older versions of the DSM, at least, axis one was like categorized as like mood disorders and things that you can kind of like recover from. Uh, in quotations, I don't know what the actual wording is. And then access two was where you would find personality disorders, um, which would be things that, like Sarah said, you technically like live with forever. And one of the reasons that I don't like the fact that borderline is in access two or is a personality disorder by like definition is that I think it really leads to the stigma um, of like you can't recover. And I guess like really it comes down to semantics of what recover means, <laughs> which is so funny. Um, but so I often think of it as like a mood disorder and that it's like an emotion regulation disorder more than a personality disorder. But for like the sake of like debate, because this, this could like go on. Because that is where this is going. (laughs) Yeah. Like for the purpose of this debate, I feel like if we're going to say, yes, it should be a personality disorder by definition, then I, I do kind of agree with Sarah in that, like, you're always going to live with this as like your underlying personality, like type. Um, But you just learn to like live a healthy, normal life because of skills. But then I ask one question. 
I know this is super hard to imagine, but if you can imagine a world where stigma does not exist and there is no difference between having diabetes and having borderline and having cancer and having arthritis, like not, it's all, we're all just human. We all just have things, right? No stigma, no differences between us. Again, super hard to imagine. And you think about whatever you want to call it, emotion regulation disorder, uh, borderline personality disorder. Do you believe that the symptoms that we experience are related to a persistent stubbornness or inability to change without skills use? No skills, no medication. Do you believe that there is a persistent presence of these symptoms? Yes. See, and that is why I believe it's a personality disorder. But Mm -hmm. I also understand everything that you're saying. Well, in some ways, I was going to say, and then I realized halfway through thinking this, that this is not actually true, but I'm going to say it just for the purpose of argument here. So like the reason that many of us develop borderline is because of a combination of genetic factors and environmental factors. So things like um, childhood trauma, sexual abuse, et cetera, invalidating environments as children. So because of that, you can't change the past, right? And that's why I love radical acceptance is it's it's coming to the terms with the <laughs> Sarah's face. It's coming to terms with the fact that like you can't change the past and you kind of have to like accept that this was your childhood, but we can move on from there. So in that sense, I was thinking, well, because of that, it's not like, yes, of course, it's going to be with you your entire life because you can't change those experiences that created this disorder in the first place. And then I was like, okay, but like, let's use anxiety for, as an example, like anxiety can have genetic factors and biological factors. So then are you changing your biology when you go through treatment for anxiety? not really like you're probably rewiring your brain in some ways like you would be in dbt but maybe the difference is like the ability to just like medicate something and have it go away well that's what mindfulness does though is it biologically changes the central nervous system response to what you perceive to be danger right so dbt as a mindfulness based therapy well, I guess in that sense, I'm saying mindfulness-based practices for anxiety teach the brain and the body to experience less anxiety through exposing oneself to what feels like potential death. Whereas in DBT, we are teaching ourselves to respond to our beliefs that everything is terrible and nobody's going to love us and everybody's going to leave us by asking ourselves, is that really true? I mean, they're really similar, like mindfulness-based mindfulness-based practices say to the body, like, are you really going to die? And DBT practices say to the brain, are you really going to be left? But the body is what is responding differently when you reduce symptoms of anxiety, right? You reduce the fluttering heart, the racing, like pulse, all of those things go down and present differently. Panic attacks disappear. I'm going to a haunted house right after this, and I'm so anxious about Dude, it. Dude, I would absolutely never. I would so never scared. 
I would never voluntarily put myself in a situation to feel that way. Absolutely not. Never. Mm -mm. I screamed in the fourth Harry Potter movie when I saw it live at midnight in like the eighth grade. And I was so embarrassed when the giant snake Mm. pops out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's scary. It is really interesting. I mean, I could be totally off base here. I could be totally wrong because that is a very interesting comparison. But as the, okay, so I've been in, I've had one hospitalization and four intensive outpatient programs since I was 18, all of which corresponded with a major depressive episode and a pretty big, like, uprise in my anxiety. And every time I do a um, intensive outpatient program and kind of get a hold of my depression, my anxiety, then my symptoms go back and I don't want to stay in bed for 20 days straight and not brush my teeth and all of those kinds of things. Like to me, that feels like recovery, but I still could fucking flip switch at the drop of a hat, regardless of any of those things. And that's my borderline. Yeah. Cause like depression and anxiety to me, like come in, I mean, which are mood disorders, which are mood disorders, but like come in waves in that, like they're time sensitive, right? Like, yes, you can have depression for your whole life, but I would say that like, arguably that's probably not how most people experience depression. They probably experience depression for like maybe a year or two at a time. And then it kind of slowly goes away and it may or may not come back. And then of course, like generalized anxiety, same thing. It, it will like kind of come and go over long when periods it, of time, but then also it's like very situational based, which when it goes, do you consider that recovery? I think I do when it comes to anxiety. So I just out of curiosity. So we're, we're the definition of recovery that Sarah had up a minute ago was talking about returning to normal, right? Yeah. But I actually like the second definition better. If you're on a good, uh, if you did a Google search, well, what, I, or- what I did a Google search of is remission. And I think that this might be actually what we're talking about when it comes to BPD. So this is right. this is using cancer as a definition, but like we're just going to use cancer because that whatever it's just like easier. But remission is different than being cancer free. Remission means that the signs and symptoms of cancer are reduced or gone, and the remission can be partial or complete. Complete remission means that test scans are uh, show that all clinical signs of your cancer are gone. So to me, like re- maybe maybe we're living in remission. Yeah, and- I don't even think I'm living in remission, but yeah. Okay, fair. Maybe I'm most. <laughs> I think that I would say that I'm living in partial remission right now. Um, a lot of the time I feel like it's full remission, but I've just experienced like a lot of loss in my family. So I'm just feeling very like on edge and emotional recently. Um, but like the, uh, the sensitivity of my emotional reactions to things, not, not my emotional reactions, my, my emotional experiences are always going to be intense compared to others, but the reactions to those are what I've learned to cope with in therapy. And therefore I'm in remission. Right. And that is the, that is where I'm like, I can get behind this, but the difference for me between a mood disorder and a personality disorder and why I believe that BPD is a personality disorder is that it is entirely possible that depressive symptoms and anxiety symptoms do go away right? And they don't come back for months at a time. But if you weren't using DBT skills, would you still believe you're in remission? No. And I've actually had a very like great example of this in the last couple of weeks of my life. Um, I lost my grandmother 
in a relatively quick period of time. And then I lost a friend of mine um, with the same day. And I was saying to Aaron, like, like I was obviously upset, but I was like, I feel like if this had been 10 years ago, I would be like not able to function. Whereas now, like I'm upset, I'm able to deal with like the fact that I'm having these emotions, but I'm also able to kind of like use wise mind to say this was, you know, what, what should have happened or needed to happen or et cetera. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think that without DBT skills, I would be here at all, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, same. Yeah. See, and that is where I believe recovery, remission, fucking religion, whatever you want to call it is real. That is what it looks like for me. I believe that that what you're experiencing is entirely possible for every person with borderline personality disorder. But I do not believe that recovery or this idea that it won't be as won't be present or that it won't be hard. I don't believe that's possible. And I fully radically accept that I'm going to have very strong emotions for the rest of my life and still want to die maybe every day for the rest of my life. It's just that how I respond is different and the, the severity of those things is reduced and how often they show up is reduced and how quickly I'm able to get back on track is fast. Yeah. And And for me, that's remission and recovery. And that works because my life isn't one crisis to one crisis to one crisis to one crisis. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. The frequency, the severity and, um, the, the, uh, what was the last thing? You bounce said? back. The bounce back. A hundred percent. If somebody were to ask me what recovery meant to me, it would be in control of my thoughts, feelings, and behaviors so that I can do those three things and have those three things in my life. Yeah. Um, but so- I will say though, and, and this is why I really strongly believe that this is an important conversation to have is someone messaged me not too long ago. And they said, Hey, I have a question for you. And I was like, what's going on? And they were like, hey, I have a question for you. Um, an individual on Instagram who will remain unnamed, which if I remember correctly, they're kind of indicating that a recovery from um, BPD is possible and they will teach you how to do it. I teach you how to recover and thrive, get off the emotional roller coaster and take back control. And I was just like... <sighs> how are we explaining recovery? Because I don't want to wrap people up in a belief that you're never going to have symptoms of borderline after you've been diagnosed. I think that that is unethical. I'm a certified neuro-linguistic programming practitioner and a certified wellness expert. Listen, that's a bunch of baloney words to me. I don't know what that means. Uh, Yeah. Um, I mean, that means that that, that, yeah, that doesn't mean anything, but anyways, right. And then they have like a BPD breakthrough something or other. I just am, I just am kind of concerned with this, um, belief that you can really reinvent yourself and, you know, learn the skills to come out of suffering and no longer meet the criteria (laughs) for this diagnosis. Um, I, and go from, go from, you know, surviving to thriving. I I do think all of those things are possible to an extent, but I do not think that the classic way that we think about those words is the same for people with borderline as it is for a neurotypical person. 
that's not even the part that bugs me. The part that bugs me is like, you and I have helped hundreds of people with their BPD journey, but neither of us would ever say to anybody ever, 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 especially online to try and make money that we've cured people of borderline. And they didn't say cured, right? But like, it's implied. It's a little hoaxy. What the hell is a certified linguistic professional? And what does that have to do with a lifelong stubborn presentation of personality? Uh, Let me look. I just bring this up to say that I feel like it is very important. And I will take this to the grave when I'm 99 because I intend to live a very long, healthy life. It is really important to be realistic about what we think recovery means. I believe that recovery means that you can be really effective in relationships, that you don't self-harm, that you don't um, attempt or die by suicide, that you really, really, really profoundly reduce the, uh, you know, how often you have suicidal ideation. But I do not want to promote this belief that you're going to go the rest of your life without having strong emotional reactions and sometimes going into the occasional crisis because that is just not what I believe about this disorder. And as a person who's done a shitload of work around this and is medicated and teaches the skills and uses the skills every day, this stuff is still hard, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I'm just Googling what uh, NLP is, whatever national or what was it? Neurolinguistics programming. I would like to point out that the fifth thing on Google says is NLP a pyramid scheme. So that's always a good start. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, um, it's a five to seven day intensive program, um, and it looks like they they are. It, it implies I'm, I can't read fast enough to like read this and talk at the same time, but. It kind of looks like they maybe do some things like similar to EMDR, but I would think that to have EMDR certification, you would have to have a master's of counseling or a bachelor's of social work or something like that. So, oh my God, no, you have to have a, at least your master's degree and your license. Yeah. So that's eight years of, of college, maybe six, six, eight years of college plus one and a half to three years of licensure, depending on which license you're getting. I mean, that's a decade of your life in, in, yeah. in college. Yeah. But, but this is the kind of thing like that I, I'm not bringing this up to say that don't, don't participate, don't buy programs. Don't do self discovery. Don't do self study where mental health is concerned. Please everybody listening, do anything that feels empowering to you. I just really do not want to set an entire group up of people who's highly sub, sub uh, uh, vulnerable and has strong emotional responses to this belief that maybe you will recover, meaning never again have symptoms. I personally just don't, that's not what I see for myself. That's not what I see for myself. So maybe I'm projecting. No, I agree with you. I mean, I um, had to go to a store today. So I, I would consider myself like pretty well in remission or recovery or whatever the hell you want to call it. Yeah. You're so regulated. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty fucking regulated for somebody with BPD, right? Like uh, not to brag, <laughs> but I've spent a lot of time in my life trying like working. on. You this. should brag that yeah. you've done everything right to like work towards it. Yeah. And like, it's been a journey and it's been hard, but I'm pretty regulated on a day-to-day basis. I went to a store today. I was told something that 
I didn't like and that they had lied to me about. And then I like got dysregulated real quick and like was in a mood for the next two hours until I ate something. It can happen. It was just like a stupid phone store, you know, like it, it, it's never something that I'm not going to experience. I can feel the like hot energy of like anger, like coming up into my body. It's just whether or not I can make it so that it doesn't explode or if I can bring it back down into myself. And that is the remission recovery or remission, or whatever. Yeah. For me. Um, and this is not at all to say for those of you who are like, wait, I thought that they like talk about how like borderline is not untreatable. Borderline is so treatable, but borderline is not treatable in the sense that one day you're going to wake up and not have borderline anymore. It's that you're going to be able to live a life to it, to its fullest. And that's really what yeah. Marshall and a hen's whole and be really effective and like, be happy. Like you can be happy and have strong emotions. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I had a moment like that yesterday. Um, and I don't consider myself near as far along as Lori. I am, you know, I, I'm, I go back and forth between quarter remission and not remission and half remission and no, you know, like I just pick ping pong around, but yesterday, last night I was driving home and I had this very strong impulse to just take a quick, right. And a second quick, right, right into my ex-wife's, uh, for a driveway yeah, and just go knocking. And I was like, could turn right on Walker and turn right on hundred and whatever the fuck. And there we are. Hi. Hi. And it was like, I was already turning the wheel. You know what I mean? That is the impulse that I get. Most people would not be like, and I could feel my body. I already knew what I was doing. I was already getting worked up. I was feeling dysregulated by something else and I wanted to go attack. And apparently it want, it want, I wanted to attack my ex-wife because of course she's the fucking reason I'm in this moment of dysregulation. It's all her fault, right? When it's not. And instead I called, um, I practiced opposite action and I called someone and I said, I'm having this very strong response to go to Tori's house and I don't want to go to Tori's house. And I just really want you to know that right now I'm feeling kind of alone and, um, you know, blah, 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 yada, yada. I cried for like 10 minutes. I got home. I cuddled my boyfriend and all was well. That is what I believe recovery or remission is. Totally. And then the rest of your day wasn't ruined. The rest of your week wasn't ruined. The rest of your month wasn't ruined. Yeah. Um, which is what it would have been. Oh, uh, my for, God. For you, like seven months ago, eight months ago, even. Oh, um, August 17th. <laughs> right. Okay. So like three weeks ago. No, <laughs> yeah. oh, truly. I mean, yeah. Like the last six or seven weeks, I've really had to do a lot of regulating around that particular issue. But I mean, that if I had gone through with that impulsive desire, I would have just totally effed my life up. Yeah. That would have been a problem. (laughs) So we're happy that Sarah is not showing up at her wife's ex-wife's house unannounced because that would be bad. Hi, friends. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Bold, Beautiful, Borderline podcast. Lori and I are so grateful that you're here with us on this journey, and 
We can't wait to dive into more topics in the future with you all about Borderline and even have some more fun and exciting guests to join us on the podcast. If you really enjoyed this episode, we would love if you would rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. We would also love to see you interact with us on social media and on our Patreon page. The links to that are included in the show notes, so check us out there. We would be incredibly honored to get to know you all as you get to know us and our recovery stories. We love you, and we'll see you next time.